Welcome back to The Compass, the podcast ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue studying God's Word. On today's podcast, we are continuing our study of the church, looking at what God wants us to know from His Word. And if you're looking for a church, let me invite you to join us at Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're located at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And if you have any questions, you can find out more information at calvaryfayetteville.com. You can also contact us by phone to ask those questions. It's 479-442-4634 or even email us at info at calvaryfayetteville.com. Again, on today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about the ordinances of the church, talking about baptism and the Lord's Supper. Let's listen together. Let me invite you to take your Bibles with and turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, but then we're also going to be looking in 1 Corinthians. Now, my normal preference is to find one passage. We stay in that until we have covered that passage, but this morning, Pastor Kirk gave me the task of sharing a message with you about the ordinances of the church. And as we talked about it this week and some last week, he said, well, you can do that. And I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll do that. Um, I'm trying to link these two together. They're important. We're going to be talking about outward signs of inward grace. One of the, the things that we do as human beings is it is so meaningful to us for us to do something physical that represents something that's happened. We do it in the form of, of when we come together and when we have funerals, there are certain things that we do, and it's different in every uh, group, every family, every tribe and, and culture. Um, a funeral that I just went to uh, right before the student ministry workers retreat, those in the funeral party had on uh, flowers. And at the very end, they took those off and laid them on the top of the, the casket. There are other things that we do at funerals, but it's not just funerals. The children of Israel did those type of things as well. They would build monuments to remind them of how God worked and how all the good things that God did. God knew that how we were designed, and he knew that we needed those type of things in our lives as well. And so what do we have? We have the ordinances of the church. When we're talking about baptism, we're talking about the Lord's Supper. These are things that we are, have physical manifestation, something that we do physically that reminds us or shows us of something that's happening on the inside. You know, over the last past several weeks, we've been working our way through a series on the church. We've talked about the people of God. We've talked about the people of faith from Hebrews 11. And then last week, we talked about pictures of the church found throughout the New Testament. And today, I've been tasked with the job of sharing a message with you about the ordinances of the church. And I don't know if you've ever looked at our doctrinal statement. We align with the Baptist Missionary Association of America, and you can find that doctrinal statement in its entirety on a variety of websites. Uh, you can go to studentministrymatters.com. I have that copied and pasted on the About Us page. Uh, but it talks about the ordinances of the church. 
There it says the, the, her two ordinances, the church's two ordinances, are baptism and the Lord's Supper. Baptism is the immersion in water of a believer as a confession of his faith in Jesus Christ and is a prerequisite to church membership and the participation in the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is the sacred sharing of the bread of communion and the cup of blessing by the assembled church as a memorial to the crucified body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Both ordinances must be administered by the authority of a New Testament church. This is what we as a group of churches believe, and there are some references that you can look up and, and find when it talks about that. But it is a, an important thing for us to have an understanding of these two things because they define so much of who we are and what we do. We are Baptists in large part because we baptize, and we hold the, the local church in great esteem. The Gospel Coalition defines an ordinance as a Christian rite associated with tangible elements, water, bread and wine, that is celebrated by the church of Jesus Christ. The term is closely associated with the word sacrament, which is an outward, invisible sign of an inward and invisible grace, something that's going on in our lives. If we want to think about it this way, baptism is that mark of positional sanctification, that moment when we come to know Christ, that is represented as we are placed under the water. And we'll talk about this in more detail as we talk about baptism. But then at the Lord's Supper, as the body grow, glow, grows closer together, as we meet together and we share in the Lord's Supper, that is that uh, progressive sanctification as we're growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. Ultimately, an ordinance of the church is that thing that Jesus commands that we participate in as a church. Baptism and the Lord's Supper both fall into this category. And baptism being the first step of obedience for believers and the Lord's Supper as the regular reminder of Christ's great sacrifice. Now, every church has the Lord's Supper a different amount of time during the year. Some churches do it every week. Some do it quarterly. Some do it twice a year. Uh, COVID messed up our system and messed up so many churches. And, and I know that growing up, it was always quarterly. I remember having at Springdale Missionary Baptist Church and the, the activities, and they were always the same. Uh, there was a sequence, the things that you went through. And you probably did something similar um, in other churches that you've been connected with. You know, at the matter, uh, the heart of the matter today, it really is a question of obedience. That's what we're looking at. As we talk about ordinances of the church, those things, baptism and Lord's Supper, we're talking about obedience. Are we willing to obey as Jesus commands? And this is, principle goes much deeper than just these two things. It goes to all areas of life. It may be in the area of baptism and the Lord's Supper, or it may be in that other part of your life that you're holding back and you're saying, this is mine, I'm keeping this, God doesn't have control of this area. But God wants the entirety of our life. He wants the entirety of our heart. He wants all of it. He wants us to, as the old song says, trust and obey. Obedience is at the heart of the Christian life. As God directs, we are to have our yes ready. So as we come together to hear from the Word, and whether it's in the Sunday school time, or whether it's a worship time, or it's when in your life group, you need to come ready saying, God, yes, whatever you're calling me to, Yes, I am going to obey. So as you enter into your, your quiet time during the day, as you're reading God's Word, that should be your heart even before you open up the pages of your Bible. 
Yes, God, whatever you're calling me to, I will obey. It's with these thoughts in mind that we're going to proceed today discussing the outward signs of inward grace. And we're going to look at three areas. And you, you can find that on the very front of your uh, worship guide today. If you picked one up on the way in, it says, follow me, declare me, remember me. Now, that's not me, and it's not Pastor Kirk. It is following Jesus. And so that's what we are going to be talking about as we discuss these these concepts today. As we look at ordination, as we look at the Lord's Supper, it's important for us to understand. Now, I will tell you that if you are a part of our membership, our Discover membership class, you're going to hear some th same things this week. It's, it's going to happen. And that's important because we want everyone to know and embrace and understand these concepts as we look at these together. So the first thing we want to look at is that idea of follow me. Now, this isn't one of the ordinances, but this is where everything begins. Even before we begin our discussion of baptism and the Lord's Supper, we must look into the inward change that precedes them. It's the gospel message. And Jesus said it to his first disciples, and the Holy Spirit may be saying it to you today, follow me. Now, I know when I was in uh, college and, and I had the opportunity to really dig into God's Word, as I evaluated whether God was calling me to ministry, I kept hearing these words from Scripture, follow me, follow me, follow me. And Jesus said it to those first disciples. But he also says it to us when we're uh, without him and we need him. And that's what we need to be hearing today. He's saying, follow me, join me in relationship Accept me as your Savior. Bend the knee to me. To follow Jesus, we must understand a few things, and all of which we can find in the book of Romans. And so I want us to step through the Roman road. We've talked about this before, but I think it is vital for us to have these things ready to go in our hearts and mind. And it is the gospel. It is what we are dependent upon. It is what we proclaim. It is what we share. Let's say someone at the Fall Fun Fest comes to you and says, you know, I have been, I'm lost in my world. I know I need more, and I know I need a relationship with God. Could you share with them how to follow Jesus? My hope and prayer is yes. But too often, we leave that to the professional ministers. We say, well, you can see Pastor Dan, he's running around over there. You go see him. But that's not what God calls us to. God calls us, to share the gospel message. And as we look on the last Sunday of this month, as we talk about the Great Commission and about evangelism, that's the, the next one that Pastor Kirk has is, is given me, um, we're all responsible for that. So we need to be able to share that message. And it's my prayer that every one of us could do that. The Romans Road is a simple way to do that. There are tracks you can always buy and have ready to hand out. But it begins in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, this simple concept and this idea that as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. I love you people. I want you to know that. I care very much about you. But without Christ, you're all unrighteous, you're all sinners, you're all in need of a Savior. Me too. Yeah, <laughs> that's all of us. We all need Jesus. No one, as kind as they are, as loving as they are, without Jesus, they are lost. Recently, I interviewed um, a gentleman on our 
our Student Ministry Matters podcast that wrote a book called Introducing Christianity to Mormons. So we had that opportunity to talk about Mormonism, and some of the kindest people that I knew back in high school were Mormons. But they have a messed up idea of who God is and who Jesus is. We need to understand that very clearly. And they can live as holy and righteous as they want, but without Jesus Christ, they're lost. The Bible is clear on this. None is righteous, no, not one. As we move from Romans, Romans 3, 10 to Romans 3.23, the Bible says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of you, every single one of us have sinned and are in need of a Savior. We need Jesus Christ. We need hope. We need salvation. Without him, it is hopeless. If we turn over to Romans 5, verse 8, the Bible tells us, But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But God. That hope that we have, it's in what God did for us. It's what God did for any person that talks to us, anyone that need, needs a Savior, anyone that doesn't have Jesus Christ, God did something great. He sent his Son into the world, and he showed his love. that While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If we move over to Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is a free gift. There are so many things that we try to earn, that we try to do. The further I've gone on life, I, I try to earn this, I try to earn that, and I'm not talking about in my relationship with God, but I work very hard for things and very hard for prestige. I work very hard for all of these different things. But we can work as hard as we want all of our lives and we can never have a relationship with God without the free gift of Jesus Christ. We must embrace that and understand that truth that we can go to church all we want. We can serve the needy. We can love on all the people that come to our Fall Fun Fest. <coughs> but if we don't know Jesus, we don't have a relationship with God. And then Romans 10, chapter, uh, or 10, verses 9, 10, and 13, the rest of that, uh, the message that we would share with someone is this, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. With a heart, one believes and is justified, and with a mouth, one confesses and is saved. You can drop down to verse 13 that says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It is a message of hope. It is a message of eternal life. And it is our responsibility to share that with others. But as we think about baptism, as we think about the Lord's Supper, this is where we must start. So if you have never done this, if you've never accepted the free gift of, of Jesus Christ, you may have been going to church all your life, but if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, today is the day to do it. Not to put it off, not to think, well, it's too late for me, or I'm, I, I can't do that now, I'll be embarrassed. All of those things need to be pushed aside because Jesus is calling. He wants a relationship with you. When we do that, then we can move on to the other things. Following Jesus isn't complicated. 
It's a simple concept of saying yes to him as he calls. It's realizing that we're sinners in need of a Savior. It's understanding that we cannot do anything about it on our own other than saying yes or no. My prayer is that today, as you hear the Spirit calling, that you'll be quick to respond in the affirmative, that you'll bend the knee to Jesus and trust him as your Lord and as your Savior. Salvation is the reception of God's grace. And you may have heard this, God's riches at Christ's expense. It is that grace that radically changes us. It makes us new creatures. It doesn't simply rearrange what's there and change it into something better. It changes us into something completely new. So my encouragement, my exhortation to you as under this idea of follow me is that you answer that call today. And after that, we tell the world that we're following Jesus. That's when baptism happens. That's when the Lord's Supper happens. After we've accepted Jesus Christ. Not before, but after. So let's look at the second thing. After we've accepted Jesus, and hopefully that is the case for everyone in this room, everyone in this place knows Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Then we move on to this issue of declare me. If we look in Matthew 28, and we can look at this lengthier passage, and we'll spend some time with this, as I mentioned before, on the last Sunday of the month, as I have the opportunity to share again. But there the Bible says, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. God has called us to that mission. And what's he saying? He's saying that we need to baptize. That we need to be baptized. It's not something that is a secondary thing. It's not something that we just do if we feel like we're the more committed Christian. Every believer. There was not a point in the New Testament where you would find somebody who professed Christ that wasn't baptized. I mean, we can look at the criminal on the cross. We know that that didn't have that opportunity. But with every other believer, they accepted Christ and then they were baptized because that was how they signified to the rest of the world that they were following Jesus Christ. And I know that there are, there are some of us that, as those that accept Christ later in life, they're maybe embarrassed. They think, well, that's something little kids do. That's something, and that's not the case. These were men and women that we find in the New Testament. They were putting their life on the line. And as at the For the Church conference, we heard, I heard so many great, great Great messages. I'm so thankful for the opportunity to go to this. But one of the speakers talked about things that were happening in another country. And sometimes God works in ways that, that we don't see here. And he was talking about how he got gotten a call at about 1 o'clock in the morning to go and to meet with a couple of men. And he said, okay, I'm, I'm here in this country. I'm going to go. They got on a bus. He, drove, he had to ride for like two hours to get to these guys. And then they start talking about what he had experienced. 
through a little, a little bit of translation problem, they, they were sharing, and, and this one man kept saying, uh, talked about his dream that he kept having. He kept having this dream that he was in this big field, it was wide open, that there was no place for him to go. He felt completely lost and desolate, and then he would see a man come up to him and offer something to him. Then he'd wake up in a sweat, and this kept happening. And he realized what this was, that he was the message. This was the, the good news that he was supposed to accept. And as he tells the story, they, they're interacting and, and going along and saying, and I, I, I need you to tell me everything about the good news, and I need to accept it. Because here's what the problem was. This was a country where he knew that if he accepted and he was baptized, that he could die. That's the case all around the world. There are men and women, adults who make that decision to follow Jesus Christ, and they put their life on the line to be baptized. We don't face that sort of thing here. We're worried about being embarrassed. We're worried about um, feeling uh, looked at or ostracized. But there are people all around the world that are choosing Jesus, that are choosing baptism, understanding the great ramification that it might have. So we need to declare Jesus, no matter the consequences. We need to be baptized, because Scripture indicates that. Why should we be baptized? Well, we need to follow the example set by Jesus, Mark 1.9. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Secondly, we need to be baptized because Christ commands it as we just read in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And number three, it demonstrates that we are really following Jesus Christ. In Acts 18, 8 and 1 John 2, 3, we see the, these concepts. And 1 John 2, 3 says, By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. How do people know that you're following Jesus? Because you're saying yes to Jesus. And baptism is a part of that. We often call that the first step of obedience for believers. I completely believe that. I know that it's true. And so when we put that off, we are denying or we are being disobedient. Secondly, under baptism, what is the meaning of baptism? There are three things that some of our people in our class already know. But it, number one, it illustrates Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. We've seen it. We've seen it here as, as, as people are baptized, what that looks like. They're buried under the water. They are um, they, they die, they're buried, and they rise again. Um, it illustrates that in Jesus as well. Number two, it illustrates our new life as a Christ follower. Number three, it does not provide salvation. It indicates that you have already believed. As we look at Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's not of works, but it is the gift of God. He is the one who has given us that salvation. Baptism doesn't save us. Now, I know that there are groups and there are people that may think that is the case, but Ephesians 2, 8, 9 disputes that, and we need to understand that that has been given for our sake. Why be baptized? By immersion. You know, one of the things that, uh, as we've seen, there are different groups, different ways that they have approached baptism. And so it's important for us to understand that this word actually means to dip underwater. It was a word called baptizo, 
um, that was just transliterated because the church was doing something different than that at the time. And so here we have the word baptized. And the confusion continues on as we have have done that. But it's the idea of immersion and dipping. Number one, because Jesus was baptized by immersion. Number two, every baptism in the Bible that we see was by baptism. And it best symbolizes burial and resurrection. Martin Luther said, I would have those who are to be baptized to be entirely immersed, as the word imports and the mystery signifies. And then finally, under baptism, I want us to understand the answer to this question. Who should be baptized? We take great care here to make sure that especially as children accept Christ, that they understand what they're doing as they step through that process. But for adults that have understood their need for a Savior, they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, There's nothing holding them back. They should be baptized. Everyone who has put his or her faith in Jesus Christ needs to be baptized. So think about your life. Think about your own baptism story. I think about mine often. When I was a kid, I accepted Christ at about eight or nine. Uh, I I looked and I, I was there at church one day and said, we're all going down to the river. I'm like, what is going on? And we headed down the river, and I watched them baptize this man in a Missouri River in December, thinking, nope, that is not what's going to happen to this man, because that's cold, that's no, 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 no. But we go back to the church, and I accepted Christ. (laughs) I think the timeline was right around that, maybe shortly after that. um, But we had a baptistry. Nice, warm baptistry, you know, nothing like those cold creeks that were in, the, in Missouri. But it, it's important for us to understand uh, what happened. I knew I needed Jesus. I accepted Jesus. And then I was baptized. That's who gets baptized. Now, there, there are groups that will, uh, called pedobaptism, this idea of baptizing a baby, of, of pouring on them. And part of that isn't. Salvation, the Presbyterians approach it this way, that they're sealing them or making a covenant with them. They are part of the church family, and then they accept Christ later. But we believe very much in those that have accepted Christ after that is when they're baptized. So if you got baptized, and then a couple years later, oh, you realized you weren't saved, and then you got saved, what's the need? The need is to be baptized because it's come salvation, then baptism. That's an important sequence. Well, let's go ahead and look at this third part of today's message. Look at the idea of remember me. We want to talk about, briefly talk about the Lord's Supper. Now, one of the great things about the Lord's Supper is that as we celebrate it, as we go through that stage of remembering, we will often share verses and we talk about it each time. So this, for those that have... um, participated and understand the Lord's Supper, you, you're, it's going to be nothing new here. It is something that, that happens. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 through 34. We're going to take a moment and look at this idea of remember me. Again, it's something physical that's happening on the outside, but it is important for us to embrace So I want to read this entire passage here. It says, But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, 
because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I believe it in part, for there must be factions among you in order that you are genuine among you may be recognized. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat, for in eating, each one goes ahead to his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have your houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed and took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and the blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you who are weak and ill, and some have died, but if we judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined, so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when we come together to eat, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home. So when you come together, it will not be for judgment about the other things. I will give directions when I come. Now, this passage starts out on a very negative note. Paul is writing to the Corinthians saying, hey, look, you guys are doing this the wrong way. I'm not going to put a gold star on it. I'm not going to commend you for the work that you're doing. You're doing it the wrong way. Here's what it boils down to. And as he gets into verses 23 through 26, he's really talking about this is the sequence and this is what you need to do. And what he says is how we started this section of the message. Remember me. We are given the command to remember Jesus in these moments. And I said at the very beginning, this is a way for us to to signify progressive sanctification, for us to look at our lives, to evaluate where we're at, and to remember what Jesus did. Now, what is the Lord's Supper? It's a simple act. It's a reminder. It is a symbol. Now, there are some other thoughts and concerns about the Lord's Supper. You may have heard these words before. You may not have transubstantiation. Those are groups that believe that the bread, or in our case, the little cracker that's on the bottom of the goblet, you you know what we're talking about now, Um, but if the bread literally becomes the body of Christ in that moment, and then the blood or the juice or the wine literally becomes the blood of Christ, that's a problem. That does not happen. The second is cons... uh, Consubstination. I'm sure I just pronounced that wrong, and I apologize. I knew this better in theology. Uh, I could pronounce it better then. But the issue there is that Jesus, or the Spirit, is in a very real sense present, and so it's not uh, the way we approach it. We see it as a memorial. It's an opportunity for us to to come together to remember Jesus, what he's done, to evaluate our lives, to look at where we're at. It is a statement of faith that I believe that this is the body and blood of Jesus, and that's how 
I receive eternal life. We rejoice in that. We celebrate that. So who should take the Lord's Supper? It's only those who have already followed Jesus. Those that have followed Jesus, those that have declared Jesus, then those are the ones that can remember Jesus in this way. How do I prepare myself for the Lord's Supper? As we read through here, there are some things that we need to do as we prepare. And in the coming weeks, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper. We're talking about that amongst the pastors and shepherd leaders, looking at what will be a good time for us to do that. But there are things that you need to do. You need to take a moment or two of self-examination. Where do you stand in your relationship with God? Are you growing? Are you just going through the motions? Where are you at? Number two, you need to confess your sin to him. The Bible is very clear, 1 John 1, 9, that we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to forgive us from all unrighteousness. And then we need to work on restoring relationships. Matthew 5, 23 through 24 talks about this, but especially in the body of Christ. Is there tension between you and another believer here? There shouldn't be. We're going to spend all eternity together. We need to get those relationships right now. So it's important that we restore those relationships. Follow me, declare me, remember me. John 14, 15 tells us that if we love him, if we love Jesus, we will keep his commandments. We will have our yes ready for whatever he calls us to. And today we've discussed the baseline for the Christian experience. It's that salvation, baptism, and the Lord's Supper. Now God may call you to different things, He may have you serving in a variety of other ways. But for all of us, for all of us who claim Christ, this is the baseline. And it must be in that order. Baptism before salvation means that you just got wet. While you remember Jesus by participating in the Lord's Supper before salvation, it does not serve to bestow grace on the unbeliever. So, have you said yes to Jesus in salvation? Have you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you followed the Lord in believer's baptism? Are you faithful to prepare for and participate as we share the Lord's Supper? Now, over the years, I've seen a lot of church members, and not I haven't evaluated that here, but in other places that I've served, a lot of times the Lord's Supper would be on an evening service or whether it was Wednesday night or Sunday night, and there's a lot of times that people just won't come back for it. That's hard for me to understand and appreciate. This is one of the, the most important things that we do as a believer. There, is, there are a lot of things in Scripture that we can infer that we're supposed to do as a church, but there's no doubt in my mind that we are supposed to gather together and remember Christ's great sacrifice. So we don't want to put it off. If we have opportunity, we need to to move things around so that we can be there and be a part of that important service. So are you faithful? Are you saying yes when the church says, hey, it's time for us to remember that? You know, beyond those things, God may be calling you to something else. He may be calling you to a life of vocational ministry or simply a different vocation. He may be urging you to set some things aside that have invaded your life. And wherever you find yourself, God is calling us all to be obedient. This last week, (coughs) it was a very busy week. 
Sunday, we had our Discover Calvary class. A few hours later, I drove to Kansas City so I could participate in the Student Pastor Summit as well as the For the Church Conference. Got back here on Wednesday night. We had the singers in for our See You After the Poll or saw, no, see you after the poll. Um, it was a, a great time. The singers were here. I hate, if you missed it, I hate that for you because it was, they did such a good job leading us in worship. But at that conference on Monday and Tuesday, as these men shared from God's word, I sat there doing much of, of what we find as we prepare for the Lord's Supper, this idea of evaluating what's in my life, self-evaluation, this idea of confession of sin, this idea of restoration of relationships. There are things that we let creep into our lives, and we need to evaluate them. We need to confess them, and we need to be faithful when Jesus says it's time for a change. So is there a time for a change in your life? Have you been ready to say yes to whatever he's calling you to. For me, I'll, I'll be perfectly honest. I, have, I love TV. I love movies, those type of things. But I realized as I looked at a, a list of some shows that I was watching, I can't watch that anymore. One, I'm just wasting time. Two, I just don't need to watch that. And it's easy for us to fall into those traps because people talk about the show or it's exciting or and the list goes on. But God calls us to live a life of holiness. He calls us to, to lean into him. And so that when he speaks to us, we can hear more clearly and we can say yes to whatever he's calling us to. Whatever the call is today. If it's a call to salvation, answer it. If it's a call to be baptized, scripturally baptized, then answer it. And have you, as you have opportunity to be involved in the Lord's Supper with the local body, this body of believers, answer and say, yes, I'm going to do that. Whatever the call, let's be obedient today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for all the ways that you provide. I just ask in the months and days ahead that we will honor you as a body of believers. Help us to be your people here. Help us to love on those around us. And Father, especially as we, um, as we look ahead today at our Fall Fun Fest, God, open things up that we might love on people and that they understand that you love them too. In Jesus' name, amen. Our heart's desire is that you grow and understand the direction God has for you in your life. We hope that by listening today, you are one step closer to discovering that for yourself. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church to call your own, we invite you to reach out to us at Calvary as we study and serve together. We meet for worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you wish to find out more information about Calvary Church or simply contact us, you can do that through our Facebook page or at calvaryfayetteville.com. Until next time, remember that God, His Word, and His people can provide direction for life.